Hello and welcome to season two, episode one of Man Buns and Jesus. I'm Pastor Ben Olschlager here in Lake Orion, Michigan. Yeah, we both have man buns today. This is the first time in, I don't know, almost two months that we've both had a man bun going. Uh, next to me or that direction or wherever he is on my screen. I gave, I gave up trying screen. to guess. Yeah, that's Pastor Josh Laborious, uh, Edgewater Lutheran Church, East Vale, California, Uh and Josh, we have a, a unique episode today. You want to fill some people in? And if you're listening to the podcast, it might still be a surprise. If you're watching the YouTube video, it's it's not because you can see the video. We have we have guests, uh, not for the first time, but uh, we today we're talking about a topic that was submitted by uh, a listener of the show. Um, and, and the question was really simple. It's how do we handle this this idea of forgive and forget right that's a phrase that most all of us have probably heard at some point in our life and then the, the question was really like is that a biblical idea of forgiveness or is that more of a cultural thing um and what we what we've done is we've invited these two other gentlemen onto the podcast um because this is this is something that they both care a lot about and um, I know I've been touched by both of them in my education, doing various uh, trainings for reconciliation and counseling and things like that. So um, I'm happy to introduce our guests. We have uh, Ted Kober, um, who is from Ambassadors of Reconciliation or connected to, I don't know how to phrase that correctly. You can, you can fix that. And Dr. Mark Rockenbach, <laughs> who is a uh, professor of practical theology at, uh, is that right? Is that the right department? I should have checked yep. all this beforehand um, <laughs> at Concordia Seminary St. Louis, um, which has been in my alma mater. Uh, they, they, they finally got rid of us a year ago. And I'm sure the institution's just been looking up ever since. <laughs> So, thank you so much for joining us, gentlemen. And at this point, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase forgive and forget? Well, it's, it's a cultural phrase. It's not a biblical phrase. And um, uh, it's, it's often used among Christians in, in, in a well-meaning sense, uh, but it really is a secular term, forgive and forget. Because what it does is it confuses forgiveness for people. They think that in order to forgive completely, you've got to be able to forget. And it just doesn't work that way. And when, when God says in Jeremiah 31, I will remember your sins no more, it's not because he has dementia and can't remember. <laughs> and it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing where he makes a decision. He's not going to recall our sin and bring it up and use it against us. It's not that he's forgotten it, he's forgiven it. And so there is a difference there. And um, so I'll, I'll just introduce it with that, but I, I know Mark has uh, more to add to that as well. Well, um, project that Ted and I are working on, a book about this, um, we're using a lot of my participants from the research that I did. And I can tell you everyone that I interviewed, because I want to know how do, um, how, how I know their experience pardon me, uh, <clears throat> forgiving someone who has um, transgressed against them. <clears throat> and um, all of them remember what had happened. All of them remembered the sin that had taken place. And so it's not that the goal was to forget it. And so the, 
and, but they all struggled probably with uh, the reality of how to go about um, forgiving the other person. <clears throat> and so Ted's right that the, the goal is not to forget it because otherwise you spend your whole time trying to forget it. And if the goal is simply to try to uh, forget the sin, then we become dependent upon ourselves to forget it. And forgiveness is not dependent upon ourselves. It is dependent upon Christ who've already done the work um, of, that forgive, of that forgiving. Um, but yet it's amazing how many people in the work that I've done um, worked with who, will, who think that they have not forgiven the other person unless they've been able to forget what it actually had uh, taken place. So something here, do you want, you have something, Ben? Well, so I was just going to your... say, I was just going to say from both of your responses, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that forgiving and forgetting is not the, the Christian approach to this. Um, but somehow it's infiltrated our, our teaching, our understanding of forgiveness. Um, this is a long shot, but either, do either of you have any idea how that happened? Well, Genesis three comes to mind. Um, That's such an easy answer. <laughs> well, when you don't know the answer, you go to the very most foundational. Why is this wrong? Because we suck. <laughs> it's not. It's not that it's not true. Obviously, obviously, it's true. Yeah, I I don't know where the. Uh, origin of that particular phrase came from, but it, it really uh, is, is fairly dominant in our culture. And what it does is it puts people in a bind because they think somehow that if they forgive someone, they've got to forget what happened. And the reality is it just doesn't work that way. Um, so let me share an example of somebody who forgave, but remembered, but remembered it differently. Uh, there's a woman named Gladys who grew up in Australia. And as a teenager, she committed her life to, to Christian mission work and became a nurse and went to work for a Christian hospital in India. There she met uh, a man who was also Australian uh, that she didn't know before. His name was Graham. And he was the administrator of the hospital. And this hospital served um, uh, lepers from the outcast community. You might remember that India has a caste system and nearly a third of the population are outcasts or Dalits. That means that they sinned so grievously in previous lives that they are worth less than animals today. And so they're the lowest of the low in that society. But if you were a leper among the outcasts, that's the lowest of the low caste or outcast as well. And that's what this hospital served. And as they helped them with their physical ailments, they also shared the gospel. That was the purpose of the hospital. Well, uh, Graham and Gladys got married. They had three children, Esther, Timothy, and Philip. And Graham loved to speak about his Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, one uh, day he was asked to speak at a conference in the jungle and he took his two boys, they were aged 10 and four at the time. And he, he spoke at the conference, but that night they were sleeping in their car because there was no decent place to sleep. Well, there were some Hindu activists that hated 
Graham and his message about Jesus. And just after midnight, they surrounded the car. They took their axes. They sliced all four tires of the car so they couldn't drive away. And then they used tridents to break out the windows of the car and start stabbing Graham and his two boys. Then they started the car on fire. And as they tried to escape, they used the tridents to push them back in the car and burn them to death. Well, imagine the grief of, of uh, Esther and, and her, her mother, uh, Gladys. Um, and one of the things that India focuses on is justice. The people of India, I think it's because of the caste system, they're always scrapping to get value or status in society. And so the Indian government captured uh, 13 of the men most responsible, uh, took them to court, convicted them and sentenced them. The leader got the death sentence. Uh, the other 12 got life in prison. And so a reporter from Chennai, one of the largest cities in India, came to interview Gladys to see if she thought that was justice. The name of the paper he was representing was called The Hindu, obviously a Hindu-based owned uh, newspaper. When he asked her if she thought this was justice, um, she had a response, and there's two miracles to this story. One is uh, what she said by faith, and the second is that the, this Hindu newspaper accurately reported what she said. The first thing she said, as to the sentence, I have no comment. She says, because God has given us government to provide justice for our land. So she was referencing much of what Paul talked about in, in Romans when he was talking about all authority is instituted by God. But then she says, but as for me, I have forgiven them. The reporter could not believe what he said. He says, how could you forgive them? Did you forget what these men did to your husband and two boys and how they were tortured and burned alive? She says, I have forgiven them because God through Jesus Christ has forgiven me. What this land needs for healing is forgiveness, not retribution. Well, her statement in this article went across the globe and reporters from around the world, from Washington, D.C. and New York and Toronto and Paris and London, all descended on India to talk to this woman, but she refused to talk to most of them because she's a very quiet, reserved person. Well, I'd heard about this woman and I had done some work in India uh, and uh, I always wanted to meet her, but I never went back to India. But one time when I was working in Australia, I learned that some years later, she had returned to Australia with her daughter so her daughter could go to medical school. And I reached out to her and she agreed to meet with me. So I met this woman face to face. And when you saw her, there would be nothing memorable about her, nothing special or unusual. Uh, uh, a short woman, uh, very quiet, very reserved, but there was not a bitter bone in that woman's body. But yet she could talk about the incident. She missed her children and husband dearly. She said, there isn't a day that goes by that I see men in their 20s, and I know my sons would be that age today. So she never forgot, but she forgave. And so she remembered the, the event differently. She remembered that she had forgiven them, and that was her focus. That's a biblical understanding of forgiving and not remembering, not recalling to bring up to punish someone. I think that's something that I that has kind of stuck with me from the
the counseling classes I took at the seminary, both uh, you, Dr. Rockenbach, and then Dr. Mars, um, were very big on on kind of shifting our understanding of what forgiveness is to to being. Um, and correct me if I'm not wording this correctly, or but uh, forgiveness is is kind of letting go of it, so you're you're never holding that over someone again. Um, especially, I I remember it most significantly in like the context of marital counseling, where like once you've forgiven someone for for something that happens, you don't bring it up in a future argument to try and and take them down with it. Um, so I, I guess I. I guess my my question or my thought is because that sounds I can understand where that would be confused for forgive and forget. Um, because I think the sinful nature is if I'm if I'm remembering this it's because I want to use it to my advantage at some point. Um, and that's I guess not there I I shouldn't guess I should say that's not what we're called to. Um, but where where kind of is the distinction with that where's the shape to that. Well, I, th I think you're right that um, the idea is not to use it against the other person. And, and that's one way you can kind of tell if they have forgiven or not, because if they keep bringing up to use it against you, because like in marriage, you know, my wife does something to me, I'll, I'll keep this bag of stuff she's done to me, right? And then the next time she, um, she does something or she wants to accuse me of something, I can reach back and grab it and throw it at her and say, yeah, but remember when you did that? <laughs> So that, that is not forgiveness if, if you're using it against the other person. However, if there's forgiveness, hopefully you also can work towards reconciliation. So reconciliation is both parties confess their sins, both parties forgive each other so that you can be reconciled. And that's the hope that, now it, reconciliation doesn't always happen, but the hope is that it will, it will. So like the marriage example, so my wife and I, if I have forgiven her, we still remember what took place, how either I sinned against her, or she sinned against me. We still are always going to remember it, but we remember it as a, as a transgression or a sin that's been forgiven. So now when we talk about it, we talk about it that way. So for example, if we remember something in the past, like I often tell the story about um, um, how when I was at seminary as a student, um, I did the laundry and um, I folded all the towels, put everything away. I was so excited, I did laundry, thought she was gonna be happy with me. And she comes home and she's all upset at me because I didn't fold the towels right. And we, this huge fight ended up between her and I. We're, you know, we're newly married you know, at the seminary trying to survive, you know, how that all works. And she's all, and she's all mad at me because I didn't fold the towels right. And we ended up sitting against each other and fighting. Well, now today I can tell that story and we laugh about it. My kids laugh about it. We tell it differently. We tell it as something that has been forgiven and that, that relationship has been restored. And so we're, you know, we're, we're still together. Now, if I would have never forgiven her for that event, then we couldn't laugh about that today. We couldn't tell the story and think of it and remember it as something that has been forgiven. I would still remember it as something I'm gonna use against her with, of course, probably everything else that she'd done, I could use against her as well. So, so you can often tell if there's been forgiveness and reconciliation, just how they tell the story, uh, how they relate to it, um, and whether or not they work through it. And forgiveness is not something that's easy to do. I mean, you got to work through it. I mean, there, there's emotions you got to work through. There's the actual thing. And usually this is where pastoral care comes into play, 
is pastors, especially pastors, are there to be able to help people work through these things and get to that point where they can forgive someone. So it's okay to say, you know, to someone, hey, I'm really still upset at you and I'm not ready to forgive you yet, but I'm going to work toward that. I'm going to meet with my pastor. I'm going to meet with someone who's going to help me get to that point so I can forgive you so that hopefully we can have a recon reconciliation. Um, so yeah, so I don't use that against my wife anymore. And I, I, tell, I tell lots of different stories about my family and my kids. And I can tell those stories because I can remember them as something that has been forgiven. They've, they've forgiven me, I've forgiven them. And now we have this relationship now together, which is very different from if you haven't forgiven them for something, then it's a whole different conversation that usually ends up happening. Well, I think for a lot of people, stories that haven't resolved in forgiveness are, are typically a lot harder to tell. Yeah. Because like Ted mentioned earlier, it's the wound has not healed, despite what you might try to tell yourself or tell others. Um, so let me let me throw a half-baked theory out there and, and see if this sticks. Um, Our speciality. <laughs> um so as I'm hearing this, and, and uh, Ted, you mentioned that passage, was it Jeremiah 31 or Isaiah 31? Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. Um, like this idea of God's sense of forgiveness being forgetting the, the wrongdoings that we've committed against him. I'm almost kind of wondering if this is, okay, maybe you're getting a bit too theological here, but a two kingdoms issue where we're looking at forgiveness from God's perspective, the thing, the way that he treats forgiveness toward us, and then not really thinking about it in a, uh, how we relate from one person to another issue. And in doing so almost kind of break, well, probably do break first, com uh, first commandment issues here and are making ourselves a bit like God in that circumstance where, um, really only God has the ability to forgive and forget in that way. Uh, and if we try to do the same, we're putting ourselves in a position that maybe we shouldn't. And also because it's impossible, we're just damaging relationships along the way. I don't know. How does that fit or not fit? So I'm going to agree with you that from a human perspective, it is impossible to forgive as God has forgiven us. It's just not possible from a human point of view. But see, God calls us to forgive as he has forgiven us. But he also promises to give us the power to do that, which we cannot do on our own. So with the Apostle Paul, we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if we look at uh, uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, I'm going to look it up here just so I don't misquote it. Verse 24. Uh, Peter writes, Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The power to do what God calls us to do is given to us by the power of the cross. It's not something we can do on our own. We can only do it through the strength that Christ gives us. So 
when we want to do this impossible human event, that is to forgive as God has forgiven, we must first remember this relationship. And you know, you were talking about the two kinds of relationships. You talked about them as two kingdoms. Uh, I would talk about them as a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. The vertical relationship is we need to focus on what God has done for us through Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? So that we can run the race that has been set before us. And then um, once we recall how forgiven we are in Christ, then we become empowered to, to do the horizontal part. 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us or empowers us to live for him and not for ourselves or anyone else. So how can we do this horizontal part? Only through the power of the cross. That's one of the things that Mark and I are going to be talking about in our book on unforgiveness is that only believers can forgive as God has forgiven them. And that's how we're defining forgiveness. There is a, a worldly sense of forgiveness, uh, and counselors and psychologists have learned that it's very healthy to let go, forgive for your own sake, but that's not forgiving because Christ has forgiven them. So we're, we're narrowing our definition to, to the kind of forgiveness that God has given us, and it's divine. It is not human. Uh, one of the books in my library says, to forgive is human. I couldn't disagree more. Uh, it, it is not natural to our human estate to do that. It is divine. And so when we struggle, because the hurt is great, because we're angry, uh, we've let that anger turn into long-term bitterness, there's only one place we can turn, and that's to the cross and say, what has Jesus done for me? And so while God does not forget, he looks at us differently. When he looks at me, he doesn't see Ted, the dirty, rotten sinner who still can't get it right every day of the week. <laughs> he sees a saint, one who is holy. I'm not holy by my own acts. Everyone around me knows that. But I'm holy because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so this great substitution has taken place. Christ took on my sin to be punished for that, and in return gave me his righteousness. And that's the way God forgives us. And then he calls us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. You know, um, you'd asked um, earlier where this phrase forgive and forget comes from. You know, I don't know. We have to look that up to see. But I can imagine, though, some people point to this Jeremiah passage, though, and they say, see, biblically it says that, you know, God um, will... will doesn't remember sin. So that means I got to do the same thing. I, I shouldn't remember sin either. But, but you have to, and, and so what, what the challenge is with some people is that they'll take a passage, like a, a, just a verse like this, and they'll take it out of context. And it's important that we put God's word into context. God did not forget any of the sins that took place before we get here to this Jeremiah passage. We, we have the Adam and Eve story of what they did. They sinned. They ate of the forbidden fruit they, they weren't supposed to. We have God retells and remembers the story of David and Bathsheba. God tells and remembers the Israelites um, creating this golden calf and worshiping it. So God has not forgotten 
um, all the sins of his own people that have taken place, um, he, he, we have them in scripture. I mean, they're there. If he would have really forgotten all those sins that took place, most of scripture we wouldn't have today. So he remembered them, but he remembers those sins differently. He remembers those sins as, as sins that have, have been forgiven because of the promise that he gave his people. And so partly I think what people do is they, they and this goes back to the remembering thing, everyone wants to forget because they feel if they can forget it, then that pain and that they, the hurt that they currently feel will disappear. So just even in the counseling practice I've done, um, many people came and they're, they're really, their goal was, I wanna forget this, how can I forget it? Or you think of some tragedy that has happened, uh, whether it be a school shooting or a tornado, natural disaster, that hurts so much that people wanna forget it. In fact, I have had the experience at funerals where um, people who should be going through the grieving process are not going through the grieving process because they're taking psychotropic medication so they can't feel it because um, they just don't want to feel it anymore. So we have to face the reality of the situation and sometimes we're not willing to, or we don't want to do that. But if you face it, it's a much easier thing than to be able to, to deal with it. Um, and so God faced it. He could have just simply ignored all of this that went on with that, started with Adam and Eve, but instead he faced it and he made a promise. So when, and, and, and this might be how, I was working on this this morning, actually. I haven't told Ted this yet because um, I'm, this the chapter that I'm forgiven for the book we're working on, um, you know, I know that people are challenged by this particular um, uh, verse here. So I thought, well, what if I took an interpretive translation of this verse? In other words, instead of translating it exactly how it is in the Hebrew, how can we translate it in a way that interprets it according to the wholeness of what God's scripture is? And so this is what I came up with that might be more a little helpful, at least for people who are listening, that, that if you were to translate the verse this way, remember, remember this is an interpretive translation. That means I'm trying to help you to understand what the verse is actually saying. It would say, it would sound something like this. It'd be, I will forgive their sins according to the promise of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and I will not remember their sins according to what they deserve. And that's really what the text is trying to say. So it's not that God, as Ted said, gets amnesia and forgets. It's just that he's looking at our sins according to the promise that he himself made, and he's looking through it in, in that way. So I don't think God forgets. It's just that he remembers it according to the promises, and he's not going to, of course, give us, you know, hell and damnation. That's what we deserve because of our sins. But that's not going to happen because he's remembering the promise that he made to Adam and Eve, and of course, is made throughout. And if you look, if you look at the verse chapter thirty-one as a whole, it's talking about the covenant. It's talking about this new covenant, you know, that he's going to make with the people. So the context in which the verse is in itself is a lot fuller than simply just not remembering something. And that might be helpful as people, you know, try to uh, struggle with um, uh, maybe what particular this verse is referring to. Something you guys you both kind of touched on is this reality that we have, we have the record of all of these sins that took place, certainly before this passage from Jeremiah, but, but after it as well. We have Adam and Eve. We have the examples of David. We have example after example after example in Judges. That's 
it's the majority of the book is is all the creative ways Israel finds to to go astray um which which for me kind of brings up this thought of well why 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 is that all recorded um and I think part of it is it, it shows us the character of God as he goes back to his people again and again and again with forgiveness and with patience but I think there's also something to be said of, of we can learn from these things um we can learn lessons from from these different characters in the Old Testament who fell into traps. Um, kind of a ridiculous example is this, one of the things that led Solomon astray was the fact that he had so many wives and concubines. And in, in trying to make them all happy, he made temples to different gods. And that can that can teach us to to be careful about who we're associating so closely with because they can they can lead us down these paths. Um, which I think kind of speaks to the the folly of the idea of forgive and forget, because if you forget, you're never going to learn from from the sins. From the example that comes to mind is if you have a family member who comes to you, they're having a they're having a hard time. They're like, hey, I need I need five grand uh, to deal with this situation. And you give it to them and they like. They just kind of run off with it. They waste it away and they come back and they say, hey, I need five grand again. If you forgot that, you're going to just keep enabling them and and you're going to both end up homeless because you're just shelling out money and money and money. So you can forgive them, right? And you should forgive them. But at the same time, there's a lesson to be learned of like, maybe this person shouldn't be just handed blank checks, right? Um so I think there's there's part of it, if we forgive and forget, we never learn from the mistakes, from the sins that are being, that are happening. You know, that's a, a really important point that you make, Josh, because just because there's forgiveness does not mean that there won't be consequences. And if, if we try to totally forget what happened, um, we can enable people that there's all kinds of problems if there are not consequences. So forgiveness does not automatically remove the earthly consequences. It does remove eternal consequences of hell. So we need to be careful to say, you know, it doesn't remove any consequences. Forgiveness relieves us from the consequence of eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. But there's- Which is the um, worst one. Yes, that, 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 that hits number one. If I, if right. I had to pick one to disappear, that would be the one I would pick. Absolutely. <laughs> But there are often earthly consequences, and it, it, it can be to make restitution, it can be for, for teaching, for discipline, it can be protecting a sinner from further temptation, it can be protecting that sinner from hurting other people. So for example, you have somebody who commits a crime against children, uh, he goes to prison, so he can't be with, with children again. Um, and so these are all examples of why consequences may be necessary. I will say this, though, about um, the whole idea of, of forgetting. It's not that we should forget, but neither should we ruminate and uh, refocus and recall over and over and over again the offense, because this is where bitterness grows out of. And I don't know how it works for you guys, but for me, if there's three nights, I, I'm a good sleeper. So if there's three nights in a row, I can't sleep. It's because I'm dwelling on something that's usually not godly. And one of those things is when I'm ticked off and I can't get it out of my brain. And I recall it through the night. And of course, I'm doing it during the daytime too, but I lose sleep over it. And 
as I recall it, I embellish it. And I, I recall it even in worse situations. I put the worst construction on it, the worst motivation of it. And, and that grows into a bitterness that can consume you and actually separate you from God if it isn't, if it isn't checked. And so that is a danger of ruminating. Uh, Mark, as a counselor, calls it, it's a looping where you replay a record over and over. You replay that section over and over. But as you do, it gets changed over time and you actually make it worse than it is. So there is a point on not forgetting, but also not recalling and focusing and looping on it. And something has to interrupt that looping. So like in mental health counseling, if you go to mental health counseling and you're ruminating, they try to do things like um, 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 uh, being quiet or mindfulness or um, deep breathing exercises, or they have, they have a plethora of things that they do to try to interrupt the looping that takes place. And it's not necessarily bad, some of the things that they, they suggest, okay? Because it, it can be somewhat helpful. But it's, it's not helpful for our spiritual well-being, however. And so what interrupts that, that looping and that rumination um, spiritually, or what we as pastors try to help people with, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something very different and unique. And if you can get to that point of forgiving the other person, that's what interrupts that, that rumination, that looping, so that you don't end up in despair. You don't end up in, in discontinued anger and bitterness and, and the like, which is not good for you personally and not good for relationships you have with, with other people. So, you know, but forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. People struggle with it for lots of different reasons. Um, and that's part of the, the advantage of talking to someone who can help you, guide you, and, 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 and lead you in this godly way of seeing what the benefit of forgiving in the name of Jesus means. Well, you first got to have to understand that for yourself. It's kind of like, you know, you know, you got to remove the, you know, speck. Um, before you remove the speck from someone else's eye, you got to remove the log from your own eye. Um, and many people, what I have found and also found in my research is that what prevented them from forgiving the other person is they fully hadn't dealt with their own personal sinfulness. Once they were able first to deal with their own personal sinfulness, and have that log, whatever is in their eye, forgiven, it made it a lot easier than for them to forgive the other person who had sinned against them. But they first had to deal with themselves and their own sinful situation and condition before they could actually give that gift of forgiveness uh, to someone else. Look, a couple of quick notes. One, uh, I did a quick Google search and when you type in where is forgive and forget, one of the first suggestions is in the Bible. Uh, and then when you actually search where is forgive and forget from, uh, it looks like it comes from the great biblical text that is the 17th century book, Don Quixote. Uh, <laughs> so, um, at least that is that's great. That is the, oh. the best guess that the internet has. Um, what verses in the Bible, do they reference, you said some of this refers to the Bible. Do they reference verses besides Jeremiah or is Jeremiah the big one? Um, no. So what I found was an article where it's a guy taking his best stab at how that could have happened. 
Um, and he really doesn't have a good guess as to how that became like an idea that people have that it's that it is scriptural. Um, but the best like source that he can find for where that quote came from originally is from Don Quixote. That's so, interesting. I remember yeah. I had to read that in Spanish in my high school Spanish class. And that's, I remember nothing about the book, except I'm pretty sure the main character is nuts. That's all I remember about <laughs> Don Quixote. Yeah. But so, so another side piece off of this, actually not related to that at all, but circling back to the conversation, um, as you're, as you're talking, we've talked about how like, Forgiveness is an essential part of, of Christian life together. Uh, we can't do life together effectively if we're not, A, receiving forgiveness ourselves, B, forgiving those around us, and C, acknowledging that forgiveness is an important part of our relationships with one another. Um, but then as humans, as people with brains and memories, uh, we still walk around with this, oh yeah, they wronged me, or oh yeah, this thing has happened in my past. Um, so maybe just some guidelines for how do we approach moving forward and not ruminating, not necessarily neglecting this memory either, because as Ted mentioned with your story about Gladys earlier, sometimes that memory is a powerful thing for us to hold on to um, as a way to, you know, maybe confess our faith or, or, proclaim the the gospel through the the actions of a loved one um but then how do we still approach those memories in a healthy way well we need to go back to the cross so let me tell you another story uh, of a church i was working with where a staff member embezzled tens of thousands of dollars and it was from funds that were raised to, to help people that were in uh, great need of different, different areas. And so there had been a lot of people that had contributed to the fundraising of these funds and everything else. So there was a lot of anger against this person. And as we met with the, the people of the congregation, there were two extremes that, that were speaking loudest about how they should respond as a church. One side wanted to prosecute this man to the fullest. In fact, some of them would love to hang him outside in the tree in front of the church, right? Upside down, no less. The other side say, well, aren't we Christians? Aren't we supposed to just forgive and forget? And so, you know, when, when you talk about this notion that it's a Christian idea, that really is embedded in the minds of many Christian people. Well, neither of those... Uh, represented uh, godly approaches. Uh, and this is where the, the two kingdoms come in, uh, because you've got uh, the, the civil government that has a responsibility uh, if you're going to use prosecution, but you also have the, the spiritual side, the kingdom of God. How do we handle sin? And so we talk to them about the options of how you work with both of these overlapping ideas. But we also had to talk about consequences that while forgiveness removes the consequence of eternal damnation, uh, there are other consequences. And by the way, one of those is a loss of trust. When there's a major betrayal of trust, you find this in marriage, but you find it in business, you find it in the church, you find it in all relationships, um, that, 
one of the consequences is trust has to be rebuilt. And forgiveness does not automatically replace all the trust, but it gives the opportunity to rebuild the trust over time. It's one of the consequences. So again, you need to talk about um, what does forgiveness really mean and, and what kinds of consequences are appropriate in this situation. So in the embezzlement case, it turned out the person was repentant. So the church decided not to prosecute because the person wanted to repay the money. And it was going to take a long period of time. But that person lost his job at the church because he would have to constantly handle money. People realized he would not be able to, to do that because he was not able to, to, to do that before, to you know, resist that temptation. At the same time, when he lost his job, he lost his health insurance, and he had children. And the church thought the children shouldn't have to, to uh, pay for their father's sin. So the church set up a system where the children uh, would be covered for medical costs. So that was some mercy shown to his family during this whole process. Uh, and they decided not to prosecute. By the way, if you prosecute, the odds of, of getting embezzled money back is basically zero. So there's some other things that are happening there. But over time, that person then was fully restored. They, uh, he had paid over half of the amount back after some years. And then the church just forgave the rest of it because they thought the purposes of the consequence had been fulfilled. They wanted that person totally restored. Uh, people remembered it. But they remembered it differently. They remembered that here was someone who got trapped in a sin, ensnared in a sin, and it caused hurt in the congregation, but was fully restored. And that's how people were remembering it after the fact. I guess from that, what are some maybe just starting thoughts that people could, could take towards their own uh, conflicts they find themselves in where they are struggling with how to remember differently. I think two things that I've pulled out from what you guys have been saying is um, if, if, if you're really struggling with it, go to your pastor and, and, um, and kind of uh, an opportunity for a plug for you guys also, like if it's a, if it's a, reach out to the ambassadors of reconciliation because they have reconciliation coaches that, that are trained specifically for this kind of thing. Um, but another thing that uh, Dr. Rockenbach, when you were talking about all of the different things that maybe secular counselors will, will point you to, to help break those loops, um, the, the meditation, the quiet time, the, all those kind of things. Um, something that came to mind for me is, is, doing those but with an eye toward taking that as a chance for prayer because we've talked about over and over again how forgiveness really has to start and come from god um so prayer seems like a, a, an approach that would come up but th those are the two that i've gleaned from the con conversation thus far well and this may be what ben's referring to too is that you know for god when he forgives it just happens all right mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a one-time thing. It happened there on the cross with the suffering death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we, we just celebrated that Easter, right? 
So God didn't need to like go through a pro. Well, I, you know, I don't know if I say that. God doesn't need to have to go through, I guess, a personal process every time forgive someone. It's a done deal because of what Jesus did. And that's the, the vertical part. The horizontal part, when it comes to us, it's a lot difficult for us to forgive because we have to deal with emotions. We have to deal with, Ted mentioned, trust issues. We have to deal with the desire to want vengeance or, or to want um, payback in, in, some, in some way. And for us, we need someone who can help us work through all those things that we're struggling with. I mean, some people try to do it on their own, but most times when they end up doing it on their own, they just turn inward to themselves and it makes it worse. But again, one of the things I've learned from the research I did is the tip, oh, everyone that I talked to were either mad or vengeful or upset in some way they struggled with the, you know, forgiving. But what really helped them is someone outside themselves spoke into their lives with that gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of them forgave, but they had to forgive more than once. So like Ben, you talked about, you know, what you see them again at the grocery store, or you see them at a family reunion or wherever you see them, whatever. Um, and those memories come up again. And you think about that time and you're, and, and, and you, and it, and it's not like you, you're, you're, oh, I have to be angry at them, or I have to be, oh, it just happens immediately. You don't trust them, or you're angry, or it, your emotions just, just take place, okay? Um, and that happens. It, it, it's a normal part of kind of who we are and how we're, how we created. Well, that's fine. Um, but we may have to say to ourselves, okay, I need to forgive them again, or what's, what is causing me to continue to be angry or distrusting of them? What do I need to continue to work on? And again, if you find someone to work with, that can be helpful. You know, I think it was, um, oh yeah, Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times must, must I forgive? And Jesus' answer basically is you forgive and forgive and forgive. It's not like it's so many times. And sometimes when someone has offended you or transgressed against you so greatly, it may be difficult to do that. I mean, you may do it once and then all these emotions and feelings come up again and you have to kind of go through that process again, have someone there to help you through it, um, to talk to you about it. And there may be something else you're working with that's causing you to continue to be vengeful or not trusting or whatever it may be. And you need someone to help work, to help you work that through. And that's okay. That, that's perfectly okay to do it, but it's good to do it instead of not do it. And then build, build up that bitterness or whatever it is that builds up against the other person. Um, you know, some people, what they want from the other person, they're never going to get. So what, what they want is they want the other person, like, well, let's say an affair happened. Um, so if the spouse who didn't have the affair, what they want is they want, the, they want that that never happened again, all right? And that's, that's not possible. It happened, we have to figure out a way to be able to, to move forward. And the good news is we can do that through, uh, through forgiveness. Yes, there's gonna be consequences, things are gonna happen, but if you hold on to that, and you, you could probably remember me saying this, Ted said that this is a phrase that's, that's out there, you know, um, is, you know, is, is the, the, po the how's it go? The poison, um, unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping the other person's going to die, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we continue in that kind of a, 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 an attitude or that kind of a way, hoping that 
by, unfor by not forgiving them or by using this against them, it's going to somehow do something negative toward them. Usually it's not. It's just, it just continues to be a problem for you. Um, and so sin impacts everything. It impacts you, it impacts people around you, it impacts future generations. And so forgiving is important, but it is a process for us humans. And we need someone to speak into our lives to help us walk, to take that journey um, to be able to get there. And we may need someone to help us more than once. Um, so as, as we're kind of, I think, coming to a, to a bit of a conclusion on, on this question of forgive and forget, um, first of all, for, for those of you listening, it is quite possible this is not the last time we have these, these fine gentlemen on the show. Um, because I have my little note card that I write, I write notes on during the show to, so I don't forget things. Um, and I have at least two topics that we, we're not going to touch on, uh, because I feel like they'd be whole separate podcasts. Um, but as, as, we, and this is kind of how we, how we do things here on man buns and Jesus. Um, we try to end the show with kind of one takeaway. If, if you, if you were to say, to someone listening, this is the one thing I want you to walk away from this podcast with. What would that be? And uh, let's go ahead and let the guests start first so we can fight over the scraps afterward. <laughs> <laughs> I want to leave people with hope because some of your listeners today are struggling to forgive someone. Um, not that I know who they are or what their issues are. I just know that if they're made of flesh like me, this is part of our, our human struggle. There are times when we are really hurting. We know we need to forgive, but it's, it's very difficult. Uh, Second Peter, the first chapter, talks about receiving divine power based on God's promises, basically to do all that that he's called us to do. And then he lists several um, uh, what we might call fruit of the spirit. And then he says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. In other words, the power to do divine work comes from remembering how forgiven we are in Christ. And so this is what I want to share with you. As God is looking at you today, he doesn't look at, at all of your failures. He doesn't look at your unforgiveness or your bitterness or, or your angry or your murderous thoughts. He looks at you and says, you are my child. I have purchased and won you with the blood of my son. And I look at you and you are forgiven. Receive God's gift. And then take this burden of unforgiveness, the anger, the bitterness, the ruminating, all that stuff, and lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, help me. You paid for it. It's yours. Heal me and receive that gift of forgiveness. And that will begin that journey. My final thought would be this. Um, forgiveness is not dependent upon your ability to forget. Forgiveness is dependent upon God's ability to forgive through his son, Jesus Christ. And Ephesians, this is Ephesians 1, uh, verse 7, starting at verse 7. It says, in him, 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. So don't be dependent upon your ability to forget. Be dependent upon God's ability to forgive through his son, Jesus Christ, by the blood that he shed there on the cross that washes us clean of our sins and also washes other people's uh, sins clean as well. You want to go next, Ben? <laughs> yeah, my takeaway is Don Quixote is not in the Bible. <laughs> um, and I, I'm going to throw out uh, I think a big takeaway especially if this is something that you're you're listening to this and and you're thinking this is all great but forgiveness is still really hard um, I just want to point you to, to resources that are available to you um, if you're in, in either Ben or my congregations you can reach out to us um, and if it's without, if it's outside the scope of our abilities, we, we have people that we can still connect you to, um, counselors and, and reconciliation coaches and the like. Um, but there's also, there are materials available. Uh, if you go just Google ambassadors of reconciliation, um, I'm pretty sure it's the first result that comes up. Um, and they have all sorts of reasons. They have Bible studies. They have, they have materials that are available for you, um, that can help work through, these kinds of things or connect you to people who can to st step into that uh, role of support. Um, so that's my takeaway is that you have people to help. Um, and as we're kind of closing some some thoughts for you for you to pray about as you go into your week. Um, just pray that that the spirit, the Holy Spirit would would work forgiveness in you and in, in the people around you. Um, so that so that you can witness that you can experience that first and foremost, but then you can witness that forgiveness to your friends, to your families, to your coworkers, uh, to that stranger in traffic who cut you off, um, <laughs> which when you live out here happens actually about as much as it did in St. Louis. Never mind. I'm not going to pretend St. Louis have, has good drivers. Any, anything to add? You got any uh, additional no, prayer requests? I think that's kind of the big one uh and i think also just pray that uh god gives you the the power to forgive um because we 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 need to receive that from him in order to do that for the world so um and thank you again to to mark and ted thank you both for coming on uh we really appreciate you taking the time for us and with that being said, it's time for some shameless plugs. Um, this is season two <laughs> of Man Buns and Jesus. If you're listening, um, make sure you are whatever platform you listen on. Uh, you know, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on all the major podcasting platforms except for Pandora because their review takes so long. Um, go ahead and subscribe because we have these weekly episodes that come out, but we're going to start doing some short form stuff as well which is probably going to amount to five or 10 minutes of Ben and or me ranting about something during the week. Um, we, we also, we now have a Facebook page. So if you are interested in being a guest, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. In reality, you probably, you don't even have to be a Christian. Just reach out to our Facebook page and say, Hey, we want to be on your show. The only thing we're going to ask in return is you have to pick your own topic. 
um, and we'll have you come on and we'll, we'll, we'll talk with you about whatever it is you want to talk about. Or if there's a topic you want us to tackle, even if you don't want to be on the show, that's fine. Um, the Facebook page is a great place for you can message, you can post and we'll, we'll see it um, and take it into consideration. So with wait, that, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Um, we should let our guests shamelessly plug their upcoming. When should we expect your upcoming book? Well, we're we're about uh, I would say three fourths uh, through on the draft of the manuscript, um, and uh, we'll we'll need to find a publisher after that. Uh, so it's probably at least a year out. Okay. Uh, but uh, if you want to check back in with us again, the book is really dealing with unforgiveness, uh, which is a book I've wanted to write for twenty two years because of my work as a reconciler. That's the most uh, I think difficult. Um, challenge for Christian people is overcoming unforgiveness. And uh, we want to give hope and a resource for that. All right. I guess that means we have to have you back in a year to talk about the rest of your book. Be uh, happy to do that. <laughs> Josh, should, should we go in peace and serve the Lord? Thanks be to God. I think we should. <laughs> Thanks for having us on, guys. <laughs>